0: On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have Erin McFarlane. She is the head athletic trainer for the Washington Spirit in the Women's National Soccer League. Erin um, was a graduate assistant with me back at UW-Lacrosse, um, and it's been fun to see how she's skipped across the country over the last couple of years to end up really where I think she wanted to be, uh, working with extremely high-level soccer. Uh, in this episode, we talk all about that transition, what she's learned along the way in her different settings, and also just how to deal with A, being a new head athletic trainer in a professional league, but doing it in the middle of COVID and how that went. Um, And it was really surprising and awesome to hear how well that went for them and how thoughtful everybody was in the process. As always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please make sure you consider them if you are in the business of looking for something to order and as always if you've got ideas or feedback they want to hear from you don't hesitate to reach out to them without further ado enjoy this episode episode of Athletic Training Chat, we are on with Erin McFarlane, who, as I finally figured out, is actually in the Washington, D.C. area, not in Washington, the state. Um, She had been out west, so I guess I just kind of assumed maybe she was just moving north instead of all the way back east. But um, I've got known Erin for several years now, as she was a graduate assistant at UWL with us, and then moved on to different things and is now working in women's professional soccer um, again in Washington, D.C. So we're going to talk about kind of the transition through all that. Aaron's had some unique experiences, really kind of at almost all levels as it goes post high school, sort of division two, I think is the only one you're missing. Um, (laughs) But just all the things that have gone into that, what the experiences have been like. And then, of course, as we're recording this on November 12th, Um, What things have been like around the pandemic, um, and how that's worked for her? Because we've seen obviously the NBA and their bubble and whatnot, but um, it sounds like things have worked out really well. Just talking off air, but before I keep rambling, rambling, Aaron, I want to turn it over to you just to give whatever more background you'd like to, um, and kind of introduce yourself to everybody.
1: All right, sure. Um, Yeah, so I guess I kind of started off my career at University of Wisconsin. Uh, where I was a student there, worked with several different sports Um, and then after I graduated from Wisconsin, I moved out to Washington State, hence Joel's confusion maybe, Um, but I I worked at Washington State University (laughs) at one point, so I did an internship there working with the track and field team Um, and so I was out there for a year and then trying to kind of decide if i wanted to stick with athletic training or if i wanted to go on to pt school Um, but i decided that i really loved athletic training and i wanted to stick with it so i started applying for uh, master's programs and i found uwl and they have a really really good exercise sports science uh, human performance program that really interested me and I had a graduate assistant position available, and so I applied for that and did my master's degree there and worked with the women's soccer team, uh, which was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed being around the sport of soccer. And so um, when an opportunity came up for me uh, to do an internship out in Utah working with a women's professional soccer team, and I could use that to kind of complete my my master's degree, um, couldn't turn that down. And um, I'm very thankful for like, the opportunity to, to go do that. And so, yeah, I moved out to, to Utah and, and started working with the Utah Royals. Um, loved it out there, uh, made some good connections with people. Um, and while I was there, I also had the opportunity to work at a high school. Um, and in the clinic settings, So yeah, like Joel said, I kind of have <laughs> gone into like, several different settings and kind of experienced a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, towards uh, the end of that, um, and then in my internship with the Royals, an opportunity came up to, to work with the Washington Spirit, which is the women's professional soccer team out, out here in the D.C. area. Um, and so, yeah, through the connections that I had made with the Royals, I kind of found out about that opportunity, um, and applied and was offered the position as the head athletic trainer, uh, and couldn't turn that down, even though I, uh, loved being in Utah, it was a lot of fun out in there in the mountains and hiking and stuff. But, um, yeah, I was just really, really excited to have, an opportunity to work as a head athletic trainer with a women's professional soccer team. And so I, uh, packed my stuff up and, uh, moved out to the East coast. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, now I'm out here and, um, it's been a very interesting year.
0: <laughs> um, yes. And I think we're, we'll get into that, you know, cause not only getting into that role, which is its own unique thing. Um, doing it in a global pandemic is just the icing on the cake.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, the first question I had kind of ties into everything like you had mentioned and that we've said now. You've been in so many different settings um, with varying levels of intensity, You know the requirements, et cetera, you know, resources. Uh, we're both alumni of UW-Madison. Um, all the renovations happened after I left, so I didn't get to s- utilize all of those like you did. Um, But obviously, resources aplenty. Um, You know, I'm sure someone at Washington State, and then you come to UWL, and we don't do do a bad job, I don't think. But we don't we don't have that big of a budget, and we get to be really creative. But what have you like, and what have you taken or learned, or like what has been unique of each setting that's kind of helped build your skill set? I guess would be a good way to go with it.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, I feel like there's also it's kind of crazy how many similarities there are across um, different settings and stuff. And like at the end of the day, I'm I'm an athletic trainer. I'm treating athletes. I am like my goals and stuff are the same. Um, and so that's what I think is what I kind of like to about experiencing so many different settings is seeing like, oh, how, like what I like about each one of them and how it is actually similar, even though the setting may be that so different. Sure. Um, But yeah, some of the different things that I've noticed between settings is, like you said, resources is a big thing. Like um, in the division one setting, you have pretty much anything and everything you could ever (laughs) need at like most universities, Mm -hmm. um, which is really nice and it makes it, I think, pretty easy to to do your job but there's also a lot of other different types of stressors that come with the division one setting sure. um, like pressures to uh, like perform while well, pressures coming down from the coaches of like having an injured athlete kind of play through things maybe or um making different decisions on what's what's safe versus what you can kind of risk um, Mm -hmm. in like making those kind of decisions, I think is is unique to the division one setting and also the professional setting as well. Um, Something that I really like about the division one setting and the collegiate setting specifically too is that um, there's so many other athletic trainers that you are kind of surrounded with. And it's really nice to have to have them right there to kind of bounce ideas off of um and kind of just like chat through different cases that you're seeing um and so that's something that i think was really challenging for me when i moved into like the high school setting and even here in the in professional soccer like i'm the only athletic trainer i have a lot of other um support and like other, prof- other healthcare professionals that I work with, but I'm really the only one that's like there on like on site and sure. seeing seeing the athletes and and things like that. So yeah, I would say that's one thing that I that I really liked about the collegiate setting was just being able to kind of bounce ideas off of off of my colleagues and things like that.
2: Um,
1: yeah, and then. Yeah, I guess my small stint in, like, clinic setting, uh, I would say the biggest difference there was just, like, the patient population that you work with and that you see and kind of the adjustments that you need to make to to your treatment plan um, and what, like, rehab exercises look like. You have to be creative in a, in a different type of way than you do right. working with, like, the very active fit um, individual. And so that was kind of interesting to kind of like switch my brain a little bit um, on that to almost like the opposite of what I was used to doing with like division one or uh, professional athletes of like, how can I make this exercise more and more challenging? Sure. I kind of had to like go take it back and be like, okay, how can I kind of regress this to to something that they're able to do, they're comfortable doing. Um, So yeah, that was kind of an interesting challenge there. Um, and then just seeing like how how athletic trainers kind of fit in that clinic setting this was kind of challenging as well
0: i remember somebody when teaching us in undergrad and they were saying how they had gone from the athletic to the clinic setting and their first like realization was when they told somebody you know ask somebody to go warm up for like 10 minutes on the bike which is you know nothing you know for most athletes they just go and they do it but for this person like that was like a workout because they just, it was completely different demographic and they had to adjust their thinking because like
2: yeah.
0: that pretty much put them down, done for the day, you know, as they're working back with some stuff, but it just, it hadn't clicked that there was going to be that different. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm going to hold on the pandemic question for just a second because I'm curious, you know, aid wasn't sure what your structure is. And so maybe at, at your current job, um, but would be you know if you want to lay that out a little bit too as you um, answer this kind of question about just the biggest adjustments of being you know the head at especially at a professional level because you know even you know at UWL like yes you were a graduate assistant but you pretty much you know, you know soccer was yours like it was your team to work with it's not like we you know it was run you know where somebody else was controlling what you were doing with the soccer team um so yeah what are just the biggest adjustments that you've gone through not involving the pandemic and then we'll throw that on at the end
1: okay um yeah I would say like the biggest thing for me has honestly been having I have an assistant athletic trainer okay Um, And so actually figuring out that dynamic has been quite a challenge for me because I'm not used to like having kind of someone directly like under me or like that I need to delegate responsibilities to. Um, Like I'm kind of used to it just either being, yeah, just me or I'm reporting to somebody, um, not kind of the other way around. Um, So that's been this year has been like a challenge for me kind of figuring out okay how do I kind of establish myself as the head um but also allow my assistant to feel like they are being like that she's being utilized and like is able to use all of her skill sets and kind of um to delegate important responsibilities um to her so that it kind of takes some of the stress off of me um, mm-hmm. and like being able to kind of let go of that a little bit and allow her yeah. <laughs> to do that, yeah, has been has been challenging. But um, I think I'm getting better at it, and <laughs> I'm excited for next season to like kind of try to even put a little bit more on her because it was a little stressful this season, like sure. trying to do as much as I as I could. But I think I could do a better job at kind of delegating those those responsibilities. Um, And then I would say the other thing is that's been an adjustment is kind of just the, the pressure um, to make really quick decisions um, in big moments and things like out on the field and I'm working at such a high level and things move so quickly and you have to decide, okay, is this something that we need to refer or, uh, like, where should I refer it to? Um, can they play? Um, I think there's a lot more pressure of like trying to allow athletes to play through things, but then there's also the opposite of like the athlete themselves know, like they're getting paid to, to play soccer and like their bodies are like a commodity. I don't like they're getting paid to, so they want to take care of themselves. Um, and so like, they don't really always want to push through things. And so balancing kind of what they want, um, with what I also think is medically best for them, um, and then kind of communicating that with, with the club, with the coaches, with the GM, with the performance director, um, yeah, with like a big team of people that all need to be on the same page, um, as they kind of continue through, uh, their return-to-play progression, um, that's been kind of challenging, figuring out that kind of dynamic and, and being confident in, in my decision-making skills on, yep. on that. So, yeah.
0: I, I can only imagine, you know, just when it's got that, so many, so many things coming down. And I, I apologize for not having more background on, like, the specific league. Like, it hasn't been around for super long.
1: Uh No, I think eight or nine years. Okay,
0: well, that's been around for a while, but yeah, you know that balance of, you know, you, you need your stars to play to keep helping drive everything forward, and you know for yeah. on the bigger picture. But yes, that that those kind of unwritten pressures that you, yeah. you they may yeah, not actually a lot of different
1: things go into making the decision, not just like yeah, is it in what kind of injury is it there's like a lot of other factors that right. that play a role in your decision making
0: throw the pandemic on top of that how has that gone for you I, I we were talking again off off air just kind of the unique challenges that have been brought up sometimes I wish it was i just worked with a small little team or smaller team I know they're not you, you got to you know what are they probably 30.
1: Yeah, we have um, 25.
0: 25 on roster, so it's still plenty of good-sized team, but, man, sometimes it'd be nice to only have to worry about 25 and not 650. Um, yeah. But how has that been this year, you know, on top of all of these other things you're trying to f- figure out? You know, you already mentioned being stressed, and let's throw on a – global pandemic and all the things there how has that played out for you
1: yeah yeah it's been it's been kind of crazy from almost day one just all of the adjustments that have been like needed to be made uh in order to like continue playing in in a safe way um so shortly after I started the position is kind of when things I don't know, blew up, I guess, or like sure. everything shut down. Um, so we we were actually in Florida uh, for a training trip when when they kind of shut things down, and so we had only gotten one full training session in down there. Um, and then I think what kind of triggered it was when the that NBA player in Utah tested positive. Mm-hmm. Um, then the league kind of decided. All right, let's let's stop training. Um, and so we had only gotten one full training session in down in Florida. And so it was deciding, okay, should we should we stay there? Should we go back? Is it safe to fly? Or are we safer here where we're at a resort, don't need to leave, like we have food and like kind of are almost like quarantined already.
0: Sure, yeah, um, kind of in your own bubble.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah just talking with our team doc and everything we had decided to actually stay there for a little bit longer and we did um, like they did kind of like individual sessions and, mm-hmm. and we were just kind of monitoring symptoms and checking temperatures and just making sure that we we're keeping everything really clean and um, yeah but then everything kind of started to shut down at the resort <laughs> and it was coming towards the end of our or to stay there anyway. But, um, so we ended up going back a little bit early and when we got back, everything was just kind of shut down. We, and yep. so, um, that was just like me trying to, um, like having discussions with the league, with the club. Um, I honestly was like not that involved in, in deciding like if, and when we would start training again and how that would look. Mm. Um, but towards the end of it, um, it was like just information coming down from the league of like, here's some of the protocols that we're going to put in place. Like, this is what we need you to implement in order to keep the team safe. Um, but also get back into, uh, some training at some capacity. And so kind of what I did during that time that we weren't really training at all was just kind of try to keep checking in on everybody and make sure that they were doing okay not only physically but also mentally Um, and so that was kind of an interesting time too and just kind of trying to give them remotely like rehab exercises and things to work on um, because they did continue to train uh, individually on their own and so there were still some things that that they were dealing with and Mm -hmm. so just trying to work with work with them through that remotely um, was interesting. Um, So yeah then we in May we started to um, kind of phase back in to training. Um, It was challenging. We weren't able to use the facility uh, that we normally would use so we had to find other other areas to train and so I, like, would joke around with my assistant, like, our a traveling circus, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. was, like, going from one place to the other, wherever we could find a field, and then making sure that we had, like, a safe way to get there. Um, we started off training in just groups of three, um, again, making sure that we were monitoring symptoms. If anybody had anything, they, they stayed at home, and Uh, checking temperatures and keeping things wiped down and clean, uh, wearing masks and and things like that. And so we just kind of gradually increased our numbers until we were back to full training. Um, And then the league had decided to do a tournament in Utah. And so that was another like really (laughs) interesting experience too. So all the teams flew out to Salt Lake City Uh, And we did like the bubble thing that a lot of the leagues are doing. So we stayed in a hotel that uh, the hotel that we were at, uh, it was only team NWSL teams where there Mm -hmm. There weren't any other people. Um, I think there was another hotel that, that did have other people, but um, so yeah, like things there, like we, there were a ton of protocols that that were put out to keep everyone like safe and healthy and reduce the risk of, um, of like contracting COVID as much as possible. Yep. Um, and I think the league did a really great job with it. Like they, I mean, they were asking players and, and, um, <clears throat> medical staff and everybody for all the advice and like other like little things that they could think of, um, That's awesome. to, to kind of like minimize and mitigate the risk. Uh, and it went really well. Uh, they didn't have a single positive, uh, case the entire month-long tournament um but it was it was an intense and and stressful period for I sure. believe that. I mean, you're I just, just like didn't... trapped you're just trapped in a hotel can't leave except for for training and
2: mm-hmm.
1: games and um and the tournament was really intense too there were only a few days in between games um but but yeah it was it was an interesting experience, but like very thankful to be able to have like to be able to play um, sure. during, during this time. Um, so, yeah, so we did that. And then um, we left Utah and they had a couple weeks off uh, and then the league wanted to continue to try to play a few games um, they, like the tournament went so well and they thought that they could continue to do um play a few more games safely and so we came back and we did what they uh, called the fall series Okay. Um, where they like divided the league into regions uh like in pods that we played each other in um to in order to reduce the amount of travel so we did sure. still have to do some traveling um but it was like, not as much as what you would do in a regular season uh, so, like, our region was D.C. over D.C. And then we would just play um, Chicago and New Jersey. And so we played them both home and away, both okay. um, And that was over. So we would have one game a week. Um, and so that was, like, a little bit closer to kind of a normal, how a normal season would go. hmm Um, But yeah, we still like had to stay on top of like all the, all the protocols and things and, and make sure that, that everyone was staying healthy and that we were traveling um, safely. And so, yeah, but we, we got through that as well with, with no, um, no positives. And yeah, we did testing, testing twice a week. um, And I actually had to be in charge of that during Uh, the fall series. So I administered tests to the whole team and kind of organized uh, when they would come in and um, kind of prep the kits for them and then mail them off. We were using a lab out in Washington, so we had to FedEx them overnight um, out there. So yeah, just working with kind of the medical administrator with the league on organizing that and making sure that all ran smoothly and then when we get the results making sure the team doc sees those and and kind of communicate them that with the team and and things like that so yeah that was kind of interesting to be in charge of of something like that
0: I can believe that yeah Um, that's been an interesting thing with us is like yes we have like all our COVID protocols but we're getting there's so many like hands coming down trying to you know have input so you not only are you getting stuff from the ncaa that maybe isn't necessarily for all the divisions it's more targeted to one yeah but then you've got what the campus is doing and what the county is doing and you know and so that it's just like hard to meld it all together and figure out what the heck we're going to do but it has yeah, been an adventure it's,
1: like, it's really complicated when there's like, yeah so many different areas and um levels too
0: yeah it sounds like you know what you had mentioned your league and kudos to them you know of taking all that input
2: mm-hmm.
0: to a smaller league compared to the nc obviously the ncaa and even if you just look at N C A division three you know there's 400 and some schools in it and 43 conferences well are we all trying to operate under the same thing are, what are mandates versus guidelines what does that mean you mm-hmm. know are we actually taking into consideration like the resources or lack thereof you know
2: okay.
0: for yeah, there's so many different
2: variables.
0: yeah it's been i mean we've even seen it within our state like different schools are be, utilizing things differently and it just is what it is and it's been been interesting yeah. Uh, one question I didn't have on there, but you kind of referenced as you were talking about the staff, you know, like a performance director and things like uh, just the staff in that regard. Um, I agree with you. I think you have uh, all the GAs that have been around that have gone through Dr. Wright's program and sports performance specifically, and, you know, or I can't remember what it, human performance or whatever the official title of it is. Um, you seem to take the most advantage of that uh, with your interest in strength and conditioning. And so just how has that benefited you? Have you been able to utilize any of that? Obviously with you having a performance director, it doesn't really necessarily fall on you, but having that relationship is obviously super important between, you know, both departments with that. Um, yeah. Just if you don't wouldn't mind commenting on that since, you know, I think you got to, not just the background of like, oh, yes, I took the CSCS and I passed. Like you you did like the whole gamut. And yeah, no yeah, sure. program is <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> intense.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, but I like, yeah, I really liked it. Um, and I do feel like I got a lot out of it. And it's really helped me, um, especially in this in this position um, to develop the relationship with the performance director. Um, Unless like, like you said, um, I'm not really the one that has to do all that, like I don't have to put their lifts together or anything Mm -hmm. like that, like he does that, but it's really nice to be able to kind of understand where he's coming from when he creates those. um, And also to be able to kind of make adjustments with athletes who are in later stages of return to play. um, If they still maybe have some limitations in the weight room, how can I kind of adjust uh, their lift? And like, sometimes I can even kind of create their own um, lift for them to do so that it's very specific to (laughs) that athlete. Um, which is like what we really try to do at the professional level is like make everything, like we know how different bodies respond uh, to different things. And we have a lot of technology and things that we can look at um, to like make those adjustments and to kind of get the most out of like, even the smallest change makes such a big difference at this level.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: So to kind of be able to have that, that background and kind of apply that in that way um and to just have better like conversations with with the performance director about that like hey i'm seeing this um with this athlete or like what is it what is their like no, what do their numbers look like um for like distance um so we can we use stat sports to monitor every training session mm-hmm. um And we also utilize that for athletes that are in the return to play uh, program to make sure that they are um, getting the exposure and the load that they need to be ready to get back into a full training session. Mm -hmm. And so kind of to have a little bit of that background from my master's degree uh, has been really helpful in like having those types of communications with the performance director and seeing like, oh, we're seeing they got up to this speed, or like what energy systems are we trying to develop um, here before we get them back in to to full training? Um, so yeah, I've found that like my my master's degree to be very uh, beneficial in that way.
0: That's awesome. Everybody who's finishing up their MSAT, don't forget about that side. It's worth knowing something about it. It makes your, makes your life so much easier um I think in the long run because you can talk similar languages and that that's huge
1: yeah exactly
0: Um, well, kind of the last question we had and we're gonna throw it's we're gonna I'm gonna hit you with this one kind of twice but in two different ways um just because it's a similar to the AT chat ones um but knowing what you know now kind of after a year three quarters of three your first year maybe kind of year one um what would you go back and tell yourself kind of moving into it? Like, is there anything that you wish you would have prepared, you know, in hindsight and been like, man, if I would have thought about doing this at a different level or at a different position, it would have been really helpful as I've moved into this professional rank and this head athletic trainer role.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. I don't know. I think just like, not being afraid to utilize the connections that you've made throughout your career. Um, And like going back, I think like, I don't know. Well, I'm really glad that I had the internship um, Mm -hmm. with the Royals before I moved into this position and like making the connections there that I did um, has been so helpful in me adjusting to, to this new position. Um, cause so I can go back and, and talk to the athletic trainer that I worked with, with the Royals and be mm-hmm. like, Hey, I'm like seeing this or I'm struggling with that. Um, what advice uh, do you have for me? Um, and I think like, I think sometimes young professionals, um, are like afraid to do that or, um, like think that that means that they don't, it's going to come across, like they don't know what they're doing or things like that. And, and I think that, like, the best advice that I would have for somebody would be, don't, like, don't be afraid to use, use your connections, um, and then, because they can also, and then in terms of, like, networking, like, they can also, if you're looking for a new opportunity, uh, a new job opportunity or something, like, you never know, like, who they know, or, like, what kind of positions can come up for you, um, in that way by keeping that, um, and then, yeah, I think, like, Also, just being kind of patient with yourself and not being able or like not being afraid to make mistakes um, and kind of learn, learn from that um, is really important, too.
0: Perfect. Anything else you want to cover just kind of in general before we hop into the AT Chat 5 questions?
1: Um, No, I don't think so. I feel like we touched
0: on a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah and it's been good no it's been awesome it's been very interesting to hear kind of from the inside you know working out on how this, how everything's gone um so for the at chat questions where do you see athletic training going in the next five to ten years and you can kind of set the example um in your setting that you're currently in or just generally um what do you think
1: um, yeah, I think it will be really interesting to see how things play out with the new entry level masters. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely gonna be um, some positive changes that that happen because of that uh, shift in education level. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how I think like one downside to it is that you you may not get as much, hands-on experiences early. Um, and I feel like that's gonna be like pushed back a little bit. Um, but I think having that that higher education, like the entry level education is gonna be really big um, for the profession and kind of just bring us up to like kind of where all the other healthcare professionals are. Right. Um, and I think that that will really help gain a lot of, a lot more respect uh, for our profession. And hopefully, um, more like interprofessional networking mm-hmm. and, and things like that as well. Um, so, I and I also see it. Um, well, I hope that it kind of starts to affect things like salary. Yes, um, and, <laughs> and I also see like kind of a lot of those like lower paid positions kind of going away or people kind of like athletic trainers starting to kind of demand what they're, what they are worth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's going to be really big for, for the profession and, and again, for the level of respect for the, for the profession as well. Um, I also see like a lot of maybe moving into more uh, clinical type settings as well, um, like, how can athletic trainers be better utilized in, in like, a hospital system or sure. a clinic? Um, because I think that we have a really good skill set there. And, like, it, we're, we're there already, but um, I think there's a lot of progress that will probably be made over the next few years in that regards.
0: Agreed. So this is the similar question to the one I asked you earlier, but we'll go a little further back if you want. It's, you know, what advice would you go back and give yourself – as a young athletic trainer. And if you could just set when that example was, you know, coming out of undergrad or whatever it may be.
1: Um, yeah, I guess I kind of already said this, but I just, I feel like I can't say it enough how big networking is. Um, and I feel like that's how I've gotten every single one of my, my job opportunities um, is by, by knowing somebody or mm-hmm. you know, somebody who, who knew somebody and uh reaching out to those people uh i think is is really important and not like something that a lot of younger people think to do um for like when i apply to a position not waiting to kind of hear from them but like reach out and say hey i'm i'm really interested in this can i talk to you and learn more about this position Mm -hmm. Um, and then and also like Exactly that, like asking them questions and you being the interview, new interviewer, I guess. Right. um, Yeah. I think is is really important and something that sometimes young professionals don't do enough of is making sure that you know what you're getting into. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And and that it is the best fit for you. Yep. um, I think is really, really important and can go a long way in how much you like then enjoy. That experience. Um, right.
0: That's really important.
1: Yeah, um, I guess another big thing would be uh, um, to just like always be looking for ways to improve on on your skill set, um, learning from as many different people as you can, um, and as as many different ways as you can. Um, too, I think, is is really important. Like, I don't think that's one thing that I really like about athletic training is that I feel like you're never really done learning. There's always something that, like, something new that comes up, um, mm-hmm. or uh, like research and and things like that, or ways that you can improve yourself and your your skill set as a clinician. Um, and I think like being able to to find those opportunities. Um, and to kind of just, yeah, always be looking for, for ways to grow is really important.
0: it's like a gift and a curse because you can never know it all, which is a great thing, but it's so hard to keep up with it at the same time.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think we've talked about that before too, of like how mm-hmm. many different things athletic trainers um, can do or like, yeah, where you're kind of never really, you never really feel like you're a master at anything sure You're just, like kind of good at a lot of different things
0: lots of tools yeah what has been one of the most influential resources you've found in your career thus far
1: um I guess I would have to I just go back and say like networking <laughs>
0: perfect yep that's been a, it's a common theme that it came up a lot more than i thought when when we started this that people have said that which is perfect really? yep but i think it's
1: yeah honestly uh, i feel like that's the biggest resources yeah having having people to to talk to about about things what you're seeing um, and yeah
0: perfect um, if you could go and change or eliminate one thing could be a modality, a mindset or a common practice, um, within the profession, what would it be?
1: Uh, when you gave me these questions, I had, I actually had a really hard time with this one thinking,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> thinking through it because I think there's so many other things that people are like, Oh, I don't think like there's not the research behind this. Um, like this doesn't really actually do we think it's doing um but i honestly feel like there's a place for almost anything that we try um whether it's like actually physiologically doing something Mm -hmm. i think the psychological component of it is big too and to have like the biggest toolbox that you possibly can because every athlete is different every patient is different um and they might respond to one thing that, that another patient doesn't respond to. Sure. And I think that it's really important to have, um, like a wide range of, of things in your toolbox to try. Um, even if it's something like, I don't I know, there's like big discussions about ice is not, sure. what think it is, but I feel like if, if the patient thinks it's helping, like, why not do it?
0: <laughs> I, I, I can understand that. Yeah. I've, there's always that argument in the Twitter sphere about 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 you know just the evidence based. Yeah. Practice and what does that look like and the continuum versus you know patient centered care and.
1: Yeah, I think explaining to athletes too is is kind of important or your patients mm-hmm. um, of like, well, like this is. Theoretically, what we're looking for, what we see uh, has been beneficial using this specific treatment um, or something and letting them know that or like what your goal is with with that specific treatment plan for them. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And and that's when I feel like you honestly get the best results is if the patient is on board and and knows like what your plan for them is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I almost feel like almost anything can work for them. Um, and then also like listening to them as well, uh, cause they can often tell you kind of what works best for them.
0: Right. Yeah. Yep. It's been, it's an interesting process in <laughs> uh, just talking <laughs> with them and yeah, not necessarily pushing them away from something, but just having, like you said, that conversation of like, you know, just using ice as an example, like, yes, you could use ice, but I think we get it, maybe we get a better result from doing this, that, or the other thing and maybe slowly building that buy-in, but if ultimately the bag of ice is what's going to get you ready to go, it's not, you know, it, that's what it is. And that's fine. And that's why we still buy ice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Final question. What does being an athletic trainer mean to you?
1: Yeah. Another really good question. Um, <laughs> I think, I think that it's like an opportunity to develop deep relationships um, with the patients. I think something that's really unique uh, about the athletic training setting is that we have the opportunity to get to know our patients um, outside of their injury, like throughout the whole injury process um, and yeah, we get to see them from the moment we're the first person that responds from the moment they get hurt, mm-hmm. um, through to when they're getting back to like the sport that they love and to play with. And so, to me, I think it's just athletic training is developing those those deep connections um, with your patients and kind of like making a difference in in their lives. Um, and like I I just really like what i do so much that sometimes it doesn't even it doesn't even feel like work to me it's sure. just kind of like you're going in to, to help people and, and make a difference
0: yeah no that's awesome um well with that anything else you would like to share hmm?
1: i don't think so
0: um if people wanted to connect with you uh what would be the best way for them to reach out or you know, ask questions or whatever it may be.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I can give my email and then I also have, um, I have Twitter, but I don't really, I honestly don't use it that much. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, my email for work is emcfarlaneatwashedspirit.com. And then I guess... I don't remember what my twitter handle is
0: we can try and look it up and link it up we'll see what we can find
1: let's see oh it's at aaron mcf
0: 93 got it So we will link that up uh on the, the page for it uh, to make sure people can reach out well it's been great catching up thank you for being on
1: yeah it was great being here
0: and we will be in touch soon